Well, that was, that was good, wasn't it? Man, it's good to be with you on Good Friday, right? Are you good? I'm glad. Um, there's a lot that goes into this week. You know, there's a lot wrapped up into this. We have Good Friday. We have Easter Sunday. And when we think about this weekend, when we think about Good Friday especially, if there's one theme that sticks out in our minds, if, if you could narrow down Good Friday into one word, what would that be? And it would be sacrifice. Um, we, we generally have an idea of what sacrifice is. But let me, let me give you the definition anyway. Sacrifice is giving up something for the benefit of someone else. Sacrificing, when you think about it, is really a way of showing love to somebody else. Now, I'm not the best person to vocally express my love for somebody. You can ask my wife that. You know, I need to work on that a little bit. But one way I do show love is by my actions, by what I do. And some of the things that we do to express or to show love and some of the things we sacrifice, think about this with me, time, right? We sacrifice our time for others, for those that we love. Uh, we sacrifice money, you know. So uh, I had a dream to be rich one day, and uh, then I had four kids. And so I sacrificed a lot of money for them, but I love them. Um, we sacrifice desires. You know, I wanted to uh, be a football player one day, and no, it didn't happen. Um, so... But, but I love my children, and so you love your families as well. You love your kids, your parents, your, your close family members, and you sacrifice things for them. But what is the greatest sacrifice? So if, if sacrifice is a display of love, what is the greatest display of love? Well, it's to give up your life for somebody else. You know, we are inspired by accounts and stories and events of people courageously dying for others, whether it be someone in the military or whether it be a police officer or even just an average everyday citizen dying for somebody else. Stories like those, even though they're, they're tragic, they inspire us for some reason. Because that's the greatest display of love, isn't it? We're inspired by that display of love. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love of one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The greatest sacrifice, in other words, or the greatest display of love is to sacrifice your life for someone else. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that I would die for my family. There's probably no doubt in your mind that you would die for your family. My wife, my kids, absolutely in a heartbeat, wouldn't even have to think about it. But what about friends? Right? 
What, what about your neighbors? Let me ask you this. Would you die for me? That's a little bit more dif- difficult to consider, isn't it? It's different. Um, no question we would most likely die for the ones that we love, for our family members, you know, our wives, our kids, our husbands, our spouses, um, whatever that may be. There's no doubt in our minds that we would die for, for those that are close to us and that we love. There is a slight chance that we would die for an acquaintance, right? A close friend. But more than likely, we would have to think about it, right? It's maybe not something that we would just automatically decide to do. We would probably have to think about it, weigh the pros and the cons before we did that. But let me ask you this. Would you die for an enemy? Would you make the conscious decision to die in the place of your enemy? Probably not, right? The greatest sacrifice is to lay down one's life for one's friends. But the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, is to lay down your life for an enemy. And this evening we're going to read scripture, we're going to reflect and discuss the crucifixion and the death of Jesus And before tonight's over, we will uncover why today is called Good Friday. Even when it was such a horrific day, we will look at the ultimate sacrifice tonight. Our scripture for this evening will be in Mark 15, and uh, the the scripture will be on the screen there. We'll start in verse 1. Very early in the morning. The chief priest with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and they handed him over to Pilate. So this is after Jesus had already been arrested. The religious leaders, they were planning, they were conspiring about how to condemn Jesus, they hated Jesus, so they held a fake, a mock trial against him, and they found Jesus guilty of blasphemy, all right? They wanted him dead. They wanted to kill Jesus over blasphemy, but they couldn't do it. Legally, they didn't have the right to do it. You see, Rome had taken that right, the right of capital punishment, out of their hands. They could have beaten Jesus, which they did. They could have arrested Jesus and held him prisoner, which they did. They could have continued to do all that, but they wanted him dead. They were not satisfied. So for a death sentence to even be possible, Jesus would have to be taken before a Roman official Pilate, in this case, and instead of a religious matter, instead of blasphemy, he would have to be accused of something different. Pilate wanted nothing to do with their religion. He didn't want to hear about blasphemy. So the religious leaders came up with this idea that Jesus, we're going to tell Pilate that Jesus was being rebellious and he was starting a revolt and he's claiming to be king. That would have got Pilate's attention. 
So that's what happens. And in verse 2, Jesus is before Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. You know, Jesus was accused of many things. He was accused of being the son of God, which he was. He was accused of being king of the Jews, the Messiah, which is true, he was. But some of the accusations made against him were just blatantly false. He was accused of starting riots. He was accused of leading a rebellion, a revolt against the Roman government. And what amazed Pilate was that Jesus was silent in the midst of the false accusations. Verse 6. Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. So the Romans began this custom of releasing a Jewish prisoner during the festival, which was the Passover celebration. And really all this was was just sort of a political move, an act of goodwill to, to appease the Jewish people. So each year during Passover, a prisoner would be released. Verse 7, a man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. So here we have a man that is already in prison for what Jesus was being accused of, revolt, rebellion, rioting, but also murder. Verse 8, the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate. Knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. There's tension in this story, isn't there? Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. He had found no fault in him. No fault deserving of death, anyway. But because they wanted Jesus dead so bad, the religious leaders stirred up the crowd. And with this, there was a good possibility of a riot taking place, you see. And we know that Pilate had already been in trouble for previous riots. He was, he was sort of on probation, so to speak, because riots had taken place in the past, and he got in trouble. And so he was told to keep everything in check. He didn't want to riot. Verse 15, with that in mind, wanting to satisfy the crowd. He didn't really want to give the people what they wanted. What that means there is he wanted the riot to die down. He wanted to satisfy the riot that was about to take place. 
Rather wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Rather than do what was right, which is what he should have done in his position of authority, in his position of leadership, in his position of rule, rather than do what was right, Pilate gave in to these, the pressure of the crowd, the pressure of being accused of a riot taking place under his watch again. He gave in to that. He, he released Barabbas and he sentenced Jesus to death and gave the orders to have him crucified. And we're going to get to the rest of Mark in just a minute. But there are some important truths that I want to walk through with you before we get there, okay? Truth number one. Jesus was absolutely innocent. Jesus was absolutely innocent. There was no doubt that Jesus was completely innocent of the charges made against him. Pilate had found no guilt in him. And in other gospel accounts, Pilate sends Jesus to another ruler named Herod, who also found no guilt in Jesus. So there were two high-ranking Roman government officials who found no fault in Jesus. One was a governor. The other was a tetrarch, which is just a, a regional ruler. Both of them declared Jesus innocent. In the Gospel of Luke, the Scriptures say six different times in the very same account that Jesus had done no wrong. So it's clear that Jesus was absolutely and completely innocent. Truth number two, Barabbas was absolutely guilty. Barabbas was absolutely guilty. Think about this for a moment with me. Barabbas was already in prison. He had already been pronounced guilty. The Bible tells us that, that he played a part in a past revolt against the Romans. And that he was a murderer. Today, if Barabbas was here doing the things that he had already done and he was in the news, he would be called a religious extremist, an extreme terrorist. Okay? Matthew's account tells us that Barabbas was a notorious prisoner. Notorious prisoner. He was well known. Everyone knew about what he did. What he did wasn't a secret to anybody. Barabbas had become infamous for his actions. He had already been convicted of his crimes and he was simply awaiting execution. So there was no doubt that Barabbas was absolutely guilty. Third truth, Barabbas was set free 
Jesus was condemned. Barabbas got the freedom that he didn't deserve. While Jesus got the punishment that Barabbas did deserve. Do you see what happened there? There was an exchange that took place. The guilty was released, set free, while the innocent received the punishment of the guilty. We look at Barabbas and we think, man, this really bothers me. I know I do. I know I have in the past. I look at Barabbas. I look at Pilate. I look at the Roman soldiers. I look at the Jewish leaders that spat upon the Lord, that hit him, that mocked him. I look at those guys and I get angry. I get upset. I get mad. Those guys really bother me. We think those guys are evil. But the truth is, Barabbas represents us. Barabbas represents you and me. Barabbas represents us and we are the reason that Jesus died upon the cross. We are the reason. Truth number four. We are the guilty. We are the reason Jesus died upon the cross. We have sin in our lives. We are born this way. Sin is a disease that we inherit. It affects everyone. It doesn't skip anybody. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Just think about this. Just like Barabbas, exactly like Barabbas, we were already guilty. We were already imprisoned. We were already guilty of our sin awaiting punishment. What punishment? Death, right? Just like Barabbas. Death. Romans 6.23 The penalty of sin is death. The guilt of our sin resulted in a penalty for us to pay that cost us our life. We are the guilty. We are the ones deserving of death. But truth number five, Jesus paid our penalty. Jesus paid our penalty. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it wasn't just the fact that Jesus died on the cross. 
It wasn't simply about a man dying upon a cross, but that Jesus took on the punishment that we deserved. He was the sacrificial lamb that died in our place. God demonstrated his love. Remember, that's what sacrifice is. It's a demonstration of love. God demonstrated his love through the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of that, truth number six, we are set free. We are set free. Just like Barabbas, in in our situation, the innocent suffered the punishment of the guilty. So the guilty could be set free. John 8, 36, I love this verse, and I really love it now in light of this message. John 8, 36, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's almost like we need to hear that. Right? Think about Barabbas. Barabbas, you're free to go. What? Are you kidding me? Think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Sometimes we need to hear that again because it's just so amazing. He who the Son sets free is free. Free indeed. Yes, it's true. It sounds too good to be true, but think about it. You are free. Free indeed. No more bondage. No more imprisonment. No more suffering. No more uncertainty. Just simply awaiting your punishment. We have been set free, free indeed. The sentence has already been carried out on Jesus. The ultimate sacrifice isn't dying for the innocent. It's dying for the guilty. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. The reason that we celebrate today. The reason that we call this Good Friday is because Jesus, who was the innocent, suffered the punishment of the guilty so that the guilty could be set free and have new life. Amen? That's my message to you this evening. Now, we're going to transition into um, the crucifixion reading. Pastor Brian's going to do that for us. And then we're going to uh, observe communion, take communion together. Now, communion is for believers. Um, what I just read about and what Pastor Brian's getting ready to read, place your faith in Jesus in his sacrifice for you. If you've done that, we invite you to celebrate communion with us. If not, well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord right now before we do that. All right, so let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we see your love poured out on the cross. Not just the fact that a man died, but that your son died for the sin of the world. Jesus didn't die for an innocent man. 
Jesus died for a guilty man. That is the ultimate display of love, and that is the ultimate sacrifice. So in a moment, we're going to read about how far you went to save us. We're going to see of how great expression your love truly is, and then we're going to partake in the body and the blood that was placed on that cross instead of ours. And we're going to worship you this evening. Father, right now, if there's anybody here that has not made a commitment to follow Jesus, does not have that relationship in place, Father, all they need to do is realize what you did for them on the cross, the exchange that was made. Realize that they are the guilty. Place the faith in what Jesus did on the cross and his work and commit their life to following you the rest of their days. I pray that if there's anybody in this room right now that has not done that, I pray that they realize that, that Jesus died for them so that they could be set free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen.